Welcome back to our conversations here at Penelope's Loom. I'm Katie Saunders, and I'll be joined in a moment uh, by Shannon Allgaier. Uh, we are sharing another conversation with you today about dealing with discontent at different moments in our lives. Uh, we've got, of course, some commonplace quotes for you and just a bunch of fun conversation. Um, please remember that you can always reach out to us at editor.penelopesloom at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, we'd love it if you would visit the website at penelopesloom.org, um, where we post um, new content all the time. Uh, there's a contemplating beauty section where you can look at some lovely art. Uh, there's a commonplace corner on the homepage, all sorts of good stuff over there. All right. With that, let's get started. Hey, Shannon. Hi, Kate. How's it going this morning? Oh, not too bad. Nice and early. It's always, always good to be up before the kids, enjoy the quiet of the house. <laughs> How are you doing? You've always been like that. As long as I can remember, you are really good at getting up and getting going in the morning. And oh I admire it and I seek to emulate it. It's hilarious that you say that because most of the time that we have spent living together was during college. And that's easily the period in my life when I was least likely to get out of bed. <laughs> but and you still did. Like, <laughs> well, okay, on a relative scale, you know, getting out of bed in college means that like, an eight o'clock or a nine o'clock class is like, oh, how am I going to do this? Right. And I'm talking to, it's like 6.30 now. I, I normally try to get up at 5.30. That just would not have been, <laughs> wouldn't have been a conscious person unless I was still up at 5.30 from the night before right. in college working on whatever paper, whatever needed to be done. So thank you, I guess, but it's hilarious that you that that's a, a memory oh my god you. it's like what I associate with Shannon like oh yeah super disciplined gets up early in the morning gets stuff going um well, thank you I guess <laughs> you should you should probably write about that tell us all how you do it um, <sighs> okay <laughs> write that down yep okay <laughs> uh all right well we've how, how are you doing tell us how you're doing I'm doing all right um Let's see, starting week 35. So yeah, getting close. Um, I don't know what, what it'll be when this podcast goes up. So <laughs> uh, Eric and I have gotten to take some really good classes. Um, and yeah, so speaking of, of motherhood. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I took a really great class on on in the last few days on breastfeeding and um it was it was great got a lot of helpful tips um had good friends you and a couple others who have actually gifted me some awesome books and um that have been very helpful and she referenced those uh in the class and um you know this is good to bring up we talked about giving birth and all that stuff and how men can support us and in a few episodes ago um and yeah, one, I think one thing that was the most interesting about that class after the class was over, I, I talked to um, the, the lady who, who did the class and 
I just mentioned to her that a lot of my friends and a lot of what I've heard from women, young women who, who have recently had babies, is uh, that the breastfeeding experience is pretty negative. And um, not that they don't stick with it and do it, but that it's just assumed that it's going to be really painful and really difficult and really disheartening. And you got to be ready to get through the first couple of months of pain and um, different things like that. And so I just asked her why, um, why she thought, thought that was because her class was very realistic, but she, she was very optimistic and was basically explaining to us that it can go well and how that, how that goes well, um, in great detail. And that was kind of the point of the class. And, um, uh, and she had some great insights, um, her, the gist of her answer to me was education and support and um, the idea that if you if you have any type of problem you've got to have you've got to have ready support there um, from someone who knows what they're doing has experience and uh, can help you um, and it was interesting because you know it's a pretty you know 30 40 50 years ago I don't know um, I, I don't think it was breastfeeding was as popular of an option as it is now. Yeah. Um, it was, it was assumed that you wouldn't breastfeed after a certain point. Like that's, yeah, that's what ethnic tribal people did. And we right. modern, we modern Americans just didn't deal with such unclean things. It was, it was a weird mindset shift. I think it took place in like the 1940s. Yeah. Fifties. Yeah. Um, so so it was interesting to me to hear her talk about this because I thought, I thought easily in the last 20 years, it's, it's definitely back in fashion to breast, breastfeed. It's much more popular again. Most women that I know have breastfed. Um, and so it was interesting to talk to her about it and realize like that doesn't necessarily mean that we have a good system of support everywhere yet. Some mm-hmm. places definitely more so than others, and you can certainly find good support. Um, it's just that we don't necessarily have this like built in yet to our to our automatic mindset. Like any woman that's giving birth will also know what she needs to um, be prepared for, and then also what like what to ask for as far as help. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so. So yeah, it was really great in that regard, just to, to know she's in the community. And um, I don't know that I'll necessarily reach out to her personally, but her, um, like the practice I'm with that works with her, that like they have other people there who are lactation consultants and are, are great support. So um, yeah, it was really good class. That's awesome. I'm really, yeah, no, I'm really glad that you had that because I had, um, like a version of that, I guess, but you know, all with just my own midwife. Uh, so my midwife was just kind of the point person for like a lot of the things that you're getting very specialized help for. And so it's just really interesting for me to hear the difference in, in our experiences and you hearing from more like, this is a person who specializes in this versus that says like the woman who is giving me advice in, in all these different areas. Um, and it is, <clears throat> you know, every woman has 
a unique experience with with birth um and then with breastfeeding and and the comfort levels they're in and uh so I, I really hope that everything goes as well as possible I'm glad you're <laughs> I'm glad you're at least you know theoretically uh prepared for like this could be really uncomfortable because I think just like your instructor was saying like at least having that in theory allows you to make whatever physical difficulties you have way way easier I think um, when they actually present themselves as opposed to being completely surprised by it like oh my gosh I thought this was supposed to be easy and natural and and exactly what my body wanted to do as opposed to like well this is a new thing how do I adjust how do I get this child happy how do I do this without being in pain oh I don't (laughs) at least not for a little bit um you know and and just being being a little bit more in that mental space is helpful so yeah yeah for sure good the sun has been shining in Indiana when the sun is shining in Indiana it's kind of like the whole world is just beautiful and blessed so I can handle anything we're getting to that point in spring when like the sunny days even if it's still a little bit chilly you can just feel the life of nature like coming to be around you it's it's a beautiful thing spring is spring is gorgeous I'm kind of jealous because spring in the Midwest is actually like, there's just so much more and it, and it gets, it gets going so much earlier than it does out here. Um, yeah. And it's humid generally than it is. It's always just so dry out here. And so you just have that pungent scent of life. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I love it. Pungent scent. Wow. This is poetic this morning. Hey, what can I say? Sleep deprivation does that to me. <laughs> All right. What are you uh, What are you currently working on for for uh, the website? Um, well, I just finished a little piece on Passion Tide um, that was fun to write, just because it's a review for me of of like some of the church's traditions of like these last couple weeks of Lent and, and um, honestly, just kind of a helpful way for me to even focus on these last couple of weeks of Lent. So that was really, um, that was a nice little thing to write. And also just uh, trying to take some time to reflect on my own experience in education as a teacher, you know, you, you're so much uh, fresher in that regard than I am because you are still teaching very actively um, whereas it's been a few years since I've been in the classroom and so just looking back at my experience and recalling a lot of the discussions that I got into one of the main things was um, disagreements really I should say with with some of my coworkers at one of the schools that I was at was how we were going to teach history and you know I was really passionate about this idea that we have to primarily focus on our own heritage as um, as Americans and as members of the Western tradition Uh, and that was not met with nearly as much 
um, enthusiasm as as one might hope from from colleagues at a classical school. And so that's just it's been um, a conversation, an argument, if you will, that I've just kind of had in my head for several years at this point, just trying to work out like why is this important and how do I express this to other people in such a way that that they might also understand and and um, maybe even agree. <laughs> um, what are you working on? Oof. What am I working on? Well, currently I'm uh, working on a, just a little piece on um, uh, about a couple pieces of artwork um, and the Annunciation. Um, hopefully it's going to be up in just a couple days. Um, basically just looking at um, Mary and her the fact that it's during Fashion Tide that we celebrate the Annunciation. And so Mary and, and um, kind of her perspective as Jesus's mother and the joy that she, the just the utter joy that she would have had at conceiving and, and hearing the, the good news announced to her. Um, and then comparing that with a painting of Jesus when he's in the midst of suffering. Um, and and trying somehow to connect that to kind of the common plight of all mothers <laughs> when mm. we are so excited for our new little ones to come to the world and yet we're also faced with this whole new realm of suffering that has never ever ever existed in our minds before um that's the suffering of our children not our own personal suffering um yeah and Ultimately, when they're younger, you can protect them a little bit. But really, as mothers, isn't it our plight to recognize that we're not really going to be able to protect them from the suffering of this world? Yeah. Besides, yeah. well, I, I guess definitely um, can't protect them, but, but we certainly can prepare them and provide some spiritual guidance to get them ready for it. But yeah, it be sounds beautiful. I really look forward to reading that. Yeah, <laughs> I look forward to writing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it started. All right. <laughs> I want to read a couple commonplace quotes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, although we could do it either way. Um, <laughs> but they all, they, it, it runs together. It's all connected. Yes, so um, go ahead. Okay. Um, you've got a few selected. Yeah, the first one comes from C.S. Lewis and his book, uh, The Four Loves, uh, which is a great book. Uh, love this book. Um, in fact, did you know, so C.S. Lewis had this habit of writing like philosophical books and then uh, fiction books that go along with them. and that Personifying them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um so the four loves goes along with his his myth of psyche retold uh mm -hmm. to leah faces and i just think that's that's kind of cool he he was uh he was brilliant c.s lewis was brilliant he was kind of yes. a genius anyway yes. all right um so this quote from him it is apparent in our growing awareness that our whole being by its very nature is one vast need 
incomplete, preparatory, empty yet cluttered, crying out for him who can untie things that are now knotted together and tie up things that are still dangling loose. It's hmm. yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's one vast need. One vast need. It's an apt yes. description of our relationship with God, I think. Yes. Who just provides absolutely everything that we need or yes. want. Yeah. yeah. On that note, um, here are a few lines from Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Oh, man. Okay, so my mom used to tell me all the time when I was growing up that I needed to read the Proverbs, especially when I was in high school, uh, teenage years into college years, um, she would say, you need to spend time reading Proverbs. And of course I was a fool and <laughs> did not listen to her the way that I should have. But now as I've gotten older, I definitely am coming to the realization that the Proverbs are amazing <laughs> and just yeah, so packed full of comforting wisdom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this, this particular um, verse or these verses from Proverbs are um, something, they remind me of my mom because she, uh, when Andrew and I were going through a difficult period, that must have been four or five years ago, um, I was just, you know, pretty upset at a few points in that. And this is one of the verses that she, that she shared with me. Um, and she said something along the lines of, you know, I think I, I pray this for you every day or something along those lines and pray that you will also pray it. Um, and it's just a really, um, really beautiful reminder. I think especially um, the line and do not lean on your own understanding mm-hmm. that there is so much our our viewpoint our understanding of any given circumstance is this tiny little pinprick of the entire reality of it um and if we try to make our own understanding that pinprick everything then we will just always fail in either comprehending it or just living with it (laughs) right yeah All right, and the last one comes from Augustine of Hippo, uh, St. Augustine, Um, his confessions, which just go read it, okay? (laughs) You're busy, you've never read Augustine before, you've read him a thousand times. I just go read his confessions, okay? You can't read them enough. I think that they should be a book that we read, that they, uh, the, the confession should be a book that we read every year. Um, it's one of those that should just be on the list. Um, okay. So this is, this is a very famous quote from his confessions. Um, and even if you haven't read his confessions, you, you might be familiar with it. So, uh, he says, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you 
because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Mm. So of course, this whole book is a prayer to God. So he's speaking to God there. And uh, the image of you stir man to take pleasure in praising you. I mean, this is, this goes back to, um, you can connect it to so many things, education, formation, raising of, of a child, um, you know, all of, all of our proper desires come from God. He gives them to us. He stirs us up um, because otherwise we would be dead in our sin <laughs> and mm. our, with our baptism, you know, we receive the spirit and he, he then stirs us up to, to love him and to praise him. And the wonderful thing is it gives us joy, right? I mean, that's such a, an interesting thing to think about that we're praising God. And when we think of praising someone else, we think that we're giving them pleasure. Um, And it's not that God doesn't love us and enjoy (laughs) us, but, but ultimately praising him is about us being happy. And so Mm -hmm. even that is for us, even that he's made for us. Yeah. Or yeah. Allowed us to, allowing us to participate in his essence is, is something that by the very, by the very design means that, that we will be happy, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, just, yeah, that, that all of his creation is our component parts. It's really extraordinary to, to dwell on that. That's beautiful. I, I, I also love Augustine. One of the, just, this is just a really small tidbit, but I, I was, I read something or I was listening to something, um, sometime in the last year and, and they were talking about Augustine and essentially saying like the same thing you just said, like this, the confessions, especially like you just have to go read it and you can read it. I think that's, that's something that, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of us, especially in, in modern America, 21st century are super intimidated by like, ah, can I go back and read the church fathers? But Augustine especially speaks and writes in such a way that is so accessible to the modern mind and the modern heart, really, because that's, he's really, he's very, very simple and lofty at the same time in, in a way that we don't see necessarily with a whole bunch of other church fathers, or especially, you know, we think of someone like Aquinas as a great (laughs) kind of opposite end of the spectrum where like, you really have to put your brain into that whole thing. And Augustine isn't like that at all. Augustine is, is moving and poetic and so understandable to the, the modern psyche, the modern, um, predisposition towards towards oneself Um, yeah he's so genuine and sincere and now he certainly can be extremely theological and academic well even as oh yeah very theological it's the wrong way of saying that but yeah he can be very (laughs) academic himself but his confessions are I I, I've read them with seventh and eighth graders and um the first time I did that I was blown away by how much of what he wrote connected 
perfectly to the angst that I saw in their lives and just, <laughs> you know, so many where I was going, wow, this is perfect. And they got it, you know, it, yeah. you need to read it again and again. There's so much that you get out of it every time, so, but they, but they were able to follow it and they were, they were able to love it. And uh, yeah, so I, I highly recommend reading confessions. Yeah. It's a great recommendation. Thank you. <laughs> I should, I should take that in mind. <laughs> reopen that copy on my bookshelf it's like getting a little dusty I think all right well now let's let's jump in to our topic for the day and this is something that you had you brought to um the the table you really want to just walk through this reality of discontentedness um and I think it's something that it's, it's part of um, maturing, it's part of becoming an adult, and then continuing on that path of, of um, aging and, and finding new sore spots and having difficulty with anything and everything in life, physically, spiritually, mentally. Um, and it's, it's a really important thing to discuss right now. You know, a lot of our conversations recently have been about the state of our culture, the state of our country, how divided we are, how do we connect with people that we want to connect with. And it's easy in those conversations, I think, to just get caught up in the discontent, to just end up griping. With, with one another, uh, whether that's you and I or us with other friends um, and, and just complaining, you know, the, the vent sessions that just turn into like, there's no end. It's just moaning. Let's just moan together, you right. know? Yep. yep. Um, when Go on and on. we so easily forget, I think that we're always going to be discontent in this world. Um, and uh, if we are content in this world, then something is, is majorly wrong. We have, we have put the, the value of things of this world above the value of, of the eternal, of the transcendent. Um, and so, you, yeah, you really wanted to delve into this. And so, yeah, where, where would you, where are you feeling that most? What are you thinking about that's, that's really bringing that to the fore and, and how we deal with that in a healthy and a virtuous way? Ooh, I don't know how to deal with it in a healthy and virtuous way. No, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm partly joking. Um, it's a, it's a very rich topic. Um, oh, especially my close friends would probably say, yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like a topic Kate knows something about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah. So, um, especially, yeah, like you said, with our recent conversations, much being much broader and, and about the world at large, this brings it back around um, to our personal lives and closer to home. Um, you know, you can apply the question of dealing with discontent to a million different scenarios. I think um, you can talk about it from the time you're, you're going to college and, and um, I think that those college years are just a natural time to feel discontented. Um, I think 
like all of our friends, all of my friends at college dealt with this at one point or another. Um, figuring out vocation, what, what you're called to, what you're going to do next, figuring out how those pieces are going to fall into place. Um, discontent as, uh, as a single person, you know, you're waiting to figure out if you're going to get married and you don't want to be alone anymore. Um, discontent within your vote, your own vocation, whether it's discontent in your, with your job or, uh, with your station, you know, mother, father, child, um, wife or husband, etc. Um, uh, and then you've got discontent with the location, where you're living, what your community is like, um, discontent with relationships in general and how you get along with people. Um, oh, a huge one, discontent with your body. <laughs> um, especially as women. Especially as women, yep. Yeah. Um, that's a big one, discontent. And, and another big one, um, and the last one that I'm gonna mention is um, just because we could go on and on, but discontent with your, with your church, uh, mm-hmm. which, um, is, is it just, oof, that's a really difficult one. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, this is something that is a big part of the formation of a person, um, recognizing that discontent will come and then learning how to deal with it um, properly. And um, the really interesting thing to me is that if you read the scriptures carefully or even not carefully, it doesn't actually take that much (laughs) attentiveness to notice this, um, especially in the Old Testament, but all over, so much of the scriptures are about discontent (laughs) where someone is unhappy with what is going on um, in life and um, and then what they do with that uh, and you know so often it's their response to God um, yeah. you know you can pick the really obvious ones of the Israelites in the desert you know as soon as actually the Israelites are probably the very best example uh, right when they come <laughs> right when they're you know we're dealing with the exodus um, you know, here they are, they've been in Egypt for over 400 years and they're dying to get out and they've been praying and praying for God to rescue them. For hundreds of years, they've been praying for God to rescue them and God rescues them. And as soon as they've been rescued, they're like, we don't like this. <laughs> we don't like it. Can we go back? <laughs> it's so perfect. It's yeah, such that's- yeah, you're right. That is it, so perfect. Yeah, it's such a good day. And then, and then as you follow that, it's no wonder. It's no wonder that God's like, all right, you get to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. Yeah, yeah, that's um, nothing. 40 years. Uh. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I love, I love reading that. I mean, it's, there's a lot more going on theologically uh, in that section of the Bible, but it always gets me how, Every time he provides something miraculously, he provides for them. He, he makes sure that they're always provided for. He's never, ever going to let them down. He's never, ever given them reason to think that he would let them down. Mm-hmm. Um, he always provides. And yet, as soon as they run into difficulty, as soon as they run into even just discomfort, um, they're, they're discontent. Yeah. Why and have I you think- done this? 
why have you done this to us? I, I love that example. It personifies um, so perfectly, like what, I, I think what an active prayer life looks like to, to a certain degree, like you're just, you know, you're always asking God for something yep. and there, there's always something that's on your heart or on your mind. And sometimes it weighs more heavily than others. Um, but there's always at least one thing. And if you're a mature adult, there's probably at least five, <laughs> um, that you just recognize as these imperfections in, in your life. Maybe it's in yourself, as you were saying, maybe it's in relationships uh, with other people, with, within your community, within your church. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, you're offering these things up to God, but then the reality of accepting his response and his will of the, the solution to that, uh, to that issue, and not even like the solution, but a solution, um, that, that helps to heal that, that wound, um, at least within your own life or within your own relationships, uh, that can be really difficult to accept. Mm -hmm. That can be, uh, it can be incredibly difficult to say, wait, wait, wait. Um, or sorry, it's actually really easy to say, wait, God, I wanted this fixed, but I wanted it fixed the way that I had it my way. Yep. Yep. Um, like I, I thought when I was praying about this and, and it's, I think it's obviously it's so easy to, um, be critical in these really abstract ways of, um, of how you're, you're praying with God on, on these things of, um, I don't know, a really easy example is, is the difficulties that I think so much of the Christian church is, is dealing with right now. So, you know, when I, when I pray for my Bishop, when I pray for Pope Francis, you know, saying, (laughs) okay, God, like, I know you can work through these things. I know that, you know, your, your will be done all of that. Um, and then things either, continue to become more difficult in those relationships or you know the the bishop or pope francis isn't like struck down by lightning or something you know the <laughs> the, the resolution that's that's so simple it? god that would be so simple <laughs> please um the the resolution isn't that like definitely probably sinful and spiteful on my part um, one that, that weak Shannon would come up with. It's, it's the one that, that God has in mind. Um, and so just being ready to accept that instead of, and accepting God's will, instead of trying to place your own will on God, um, I think is so essential to understanding that question of, of discontent, um, you know, and, and how much you allow it to be that, that burr in your side, you know? Um, Yes. Okay. So let's talk about this because, um, uh, let's, let's pick so that we can be specific. Um, I struggled with great feelings of discontent. Um, just, oh my goodness. So many times in my life, I, I wanted, you know, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be an adult. I had mm. trouble being happy then. 
um, when I was in college, I, um, I really, I knew what I loved and was passionate about, but it was raw and I didn't know what I was going to do with that. Um, and raw so is such a good word. That's yeah. yes. Yeah. That is college. <laughs> yeah. Very raw. Right. Um, unformed as you said earlier, unformed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then that, that first stepping out, um, as you know, you, you finish college and you go out into the world and, uh, you, you want to do something meaningful. Um, for me, largely, um, what I knew for sure that I wanted was I wanted to get married and have children. Um, and I wanted to be a mother. Um, that was very important to me from early on in my life. I knew that that is, uh, what I wanted. Okay. There's a key word, what I wanted. Um, and I did not want to, I didn't want to build a career. I, I wanted to do something meaningful very much so, but I didn't want to go the career, the quote unquote career route. Mm -hmm. Uh, That just wasn't my personality. And, um, part of that is is actually because my personality is to dive in so completely to things. Um, and so I knew if I started a career, I would want to develop the career and I would very quickly lose sight of my, my true desire of being a mother. And um, so it was all this stuff that I thought, you know, oh man, see, I'm pretty wise already. I know that that's like a temptation for me and that wouldn't necessarily <laughs> be a good thing. And I'm trying to avoid that. Um, and, uh, Anyway, so we could go on, but um, especially discontent as a single person throughout my 20s. I think this is a huge one. And um, so we'll talk about that one specifically with what you just said. So you just said that it's really essential to, um, to be able to accept God's answer when you pray for something, to accept what he decides to do and accept his will. And that, I think, is the most common answer to the question of discontent. And it's the answer that uh, pastors have given me, that wise, very wise people have given me, older people um, who have lived and have wisdom and are are wonderful um, support and and good, just good people to listen to. Um, And they're, they're not wrong and you're not wrong. That is the key, being able to accept whatever God says is good for you. The question is, how do you do it? Because it's not easy. And just knowing that that's what you're supposed to do does not make it so. Um, And that's what I ran into. I mean, I got to the point where it was like, first of all, how do I know that this is his final answer? Uh, That's a big, big one for me. How do I know that I shouldn't keep praying for what I want until I get it? Mm -hmm. Um, And or, or how do I know that I'm praying for the right thing in the first place? Um, I, that was a big issue for me, um, especially with the being single thing. I got to the point where it was like, you know, I really need to contemplate this. Maybe I've, I've been desiring this my whole life and it's not what he has prepared for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I should have, should have rethought all of this. Um, and uh and maybe he doesn't really, maybe God's concern is not so much my temporal happiness, but, but simply that I am able to persevere in the faith in this life so that I can get to heaven. Um, 
you know, not so that I earn it, but, but so that I don't fall away. Um, mm -hmm. To be clear, <laughs> you mentioned the Pope. So all the Lutheran listeners are like, oh my goodness, is Kate becoming a, a Catholic? Everybody I mean, you did talk that. about Mary earlier, so. I know, right? Gosh, <laughs> oh, no. this is a dangerous episode. Okay, um, anyway, <laughs> so um, so that kind of gets us, us started and it gets us back to, to our commonplace quotes um, because, okay, so here's the first thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to let you talk. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is what you have to realize is you're going to be upset at times in life. You are going to be discontent. And you shouldn't be. I mean, God is going to provide, but you're going to be. And when you cry and when you are sad or miserable um, and in the depths of despair, what you need to realize is that look, look at the scriptures. That is the same thing that those in the scriptures did and felt, okay? Mm -hmm. they, they lament. There's an entire book about <laughs> lamentations, okay, called lamentations in the Bible. Um, when you read Proverbs, when you read the Psalms, especially when you read the Psalms, it's full of that lament, of that crying out to God. Um, I'm in the depths of despair. Uh, and so when you realize that you, you can start to see that that's actually part of the process of receiving God's, God's counsel and receiving God's word, um, and working towards being content. Uh, and I think it took me a long time to realize that. And instead, when, when I was angsty and upset and discontent, um, I, I knew that I shouldn't be, and I wanted to fix it, um, right mm -hmm. away. And I wanted to understand right away. And I wanted to accept God's will right away. Um, and so realizing, first of all, that it's actually, it's actually okay to pray to God that exact thing of, Lord, I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm sad. I'm cast down. I'm burdened. Um, comfort me. Be with me in my suffering. Uh, don't turn your face away from me. Mm -hmm. And let's not even talk about the solution yet. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I, can I jump in with just that? Yes. Okay. So that's anecdote. my, that's my first thing. Yeah. Go. So just speaking to the, um, the, the immaturity part of that, that you were, that you want this immediate fix. Uh -huh. I think there, um, there was a time in my life, a period, I should say, not like this distinct moment. Um, and it was certainly like, you know, youth, youthfulness um, in which I could not understand why on Good Friday, we focused on, on the 22nd Psalm, why Jesus cries out from the cross with Psalm 22. Oh God, oh God, why have you abandoned me? Um, why would David have ever written that? He should have known better. Why would Jesus, the son of God, say that from the cross? He knows that God hasn't abandoned him, right? Um, and this, I, I really do think that there's just this 
lack of maturity in um, that, that's completely natural and by no means uh, faulty. It's you just can't understand at a certain point in your life why suffering is allowed, I think, um, and why it's even okay, not even more than okay, why it is right that the 22nd Psalm exists, why it is right and just that, that Jesus is calling out um, to his father in using the words of abandonment, you know, in, um, in his final hour on the cross. Um, and yeah, just seeing that as a young person and in a sense being scandalized, I think like, wait, Jesus thinks God is, his father has abandoned him. Like, I don't think it was, it was quite so like faith shaking as, as maybe I'm making it sound, but just really not understanding that I think. Um, and then, then you start to have experiences through college, I'd say, especially um, in your twenties and, and thirties where you do, you just, you, you get rocked you, you, the, to the marrow of your bones um, through specific life events, through grief, um, like whatever first losses really happen in your life through, uh, I think a really big piece of this conversation, you know, you're getting to that point where all of these ideas, all of these visions that you had of yourself in, in formative years, whether that's high school or college or whatever, okay, now's the time to actualize them. And they're not happening. Like mm -hmm. it's not, it's not happening the way that you thought it was going to. And sometimes the, like those, those realizations come to a point, they come to a head and it's all at once you realize that something's just not going to happen um, or at least happen the way that you thought. And sometimes it's much more gradual and it's this piece by piece thing over, over long periods of time. But then you find yourself as a, as a more mature person um, in David's spot in Jesus's spot, like what's happening? Like, where are you, God? Like, I, I thought I was all in on this. Um, like where, where is your solution? Where is your healing? Where is your grace? Where is, uh, where, where do I look? Where do I go next? Um, and that is such a difficult, uh, it, it can be something that, that if you don't have the, the grace of faith fully, um, enlivening you, uh, I think it can shake people out of their faith. You know, they, they can, they can stop, they can do the full stop in the first couple verses of Psalm 22. Oh God, oh God, why have you abandoned me? And then that's it, you know, um, no offering up of themselves and, and their, in, in the entirety of their lives. Well, I, and yeah, I think that's, that's why the, it's so important to realize that um, when Christ prays that he's the only one who's actually been forsaken. Yeah. Uh, and we can look at that, that Psalm and um, we can, we can pray, but I know you haven't. Um, yes. Whereas Christ actually was forsaken and he was forsaken for us. Um, but because, because he was taking our place. 
uh, if not for Christ, God would forsake us. Um, so, so that, that's the kind of the crux is, um, yeah, realizing that he has not forsaken you. And I think again, before you even get to the point of accepting his answer or being prepared to receive whatever he gives you and accept Mm -hmm. his will and these wonderful things that, um, we, we want, we want to work towards them. Um, it begins by, by the lament and then the remembrance that he is there. He is, he has not forsaken us. And even if we are suffering, um, he is still, suffering does not mean he's gone. And in many, really, it means the opposite. (laughs) I mean, when we're suffering, he's with us um, and he's strengthening us. And that's, you know, that's what he tells us, that this is what suffering produces. It produces the stronger faith, this perseverance. Um, So... Yeah, I, I think that's something that we hear and maybe we, we um, there, there isn't, uh, this podcast is not about a solution, okay? Like yeah. this discussion, this conversation is not about like, okay, here are your steps to dealing with suffering um, and discontent, but, but rather recognizing that uh, this is a process mm. and this is the basically what what growing up is all about right Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and I'm sure I mean you and I are very are very young still very young and I I still feel very foolish um and so I'm (laughs) sure if we um had one of our moms you know on here right now or or our fathers um you know they'd maybe chuckle at us a little bit uh yes I'm sure they would too because they've been through so much more and um, they know what is still coming for us. And, uh, and that, but that, that's kind of why this conversation is like, we're still in it and we're still learning how to deal with it. Um, but yeah, I, oh, that, that feeling of discontent though, is so strong at times. It, it is, it blots out everything. And so you can know all this stuff, but when you are in that point, you know, at that point where you're living in a discontented manner mm-hmm. and you just, you can't shake it. It is hard. It is hard to remember this stuff <laughs> and it's hard to remember to turn back to scripture. Yes. And I, I think maybe the one thing, uh, that you can make sure of, um, in that, well, not even make sure of attempt in, in those periods of, of true discontent, um, in which it seems so overwhelming and, and all encompassing, uh, is that you can't let that be your entire focus. And if you do, then, then you're just going down the road of despair. Like you're going beyond the, the correct discontent of simply being a human in this world, you know, like we, we're, as, as we said at the beginning, we're not supposed to be content here. There's something very, very wrong if you are. Um, and so there, there's something that's right in, in, as Augustine says, that restlessness, um, until, until we're resting in God and, and truly that's going to be in eternity in heaven. Um, but 
if you if that's all you dwell in is how things aren't stacking up um, in in life and within the sufferings that you're given only thinking of those sufferings then you're you're going to get very bogged down in that mire in the mud um, very quickly and it's uh, not going to be something that actually bears bears the fruit that that God wills in in your life mm-hmm. um, and so there has to be other things however small and maybe however trivial um, that give small pinpoints of of light and life and happiness um, friendship you know we were talking about Lewis earlier yes such a key component to that right um yeah so I I've talked to my father-in-law a little bit about this as well and um he's a professor of psychology at Marquette and um very wise and he you know we've just talked uh very informally about um what he tells some of his patients about um you know, when they're feeling down or, or when they're actually dealing with depression. Um, and he talks about a very, well, he connects it to Martin Luther's advice as well. Um, and it's good, simple advice of, you know, get out of the house, go for a walk. Um, these are simple things, you know, cook a good meal, um, talk to a friend, write a letter, um, (laughs) things that, that might seem, trivial to us and like, okay, how is that going to help me when I'm dealing with these big issues? Um, but they do. And when, when Aquinas talks about the same question, he addresses like what to do when you're in true grief and sorrow, two of the things that he suggests, he suggests a whole list of them, but two of them are to have wine and to take a bath. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's, it is, it's quite fascinating when you look at uh, we always think of the great minds of the past, like always being super lofty and philosophical, but they're not like they're human beings, just like we are. And yes, they deal with the same thing and they have the same solutions. Like, yes, exactly. Go relax, go take a bath, be, be a human being, um, enjoy the little things. Um, and I, I think it's very, again, very easy when we're in those moments, to brush that off or to say, no, that's not going to help me. Um, but <laughs> like my, my example is, you know, I was single and I was not happy about it and I was struggling and I, okay, this is probably maybe going <laughs> a little bit further than, uh, the simple practical solution, but I went and got a puppy and basically it was like, okay, so I'm lonely. And, um, I, I'm lonely and I also have this deep desire to take care of someone and Mm. to love something or someone. So I went and got a dog and uh, I was teaching at the time and crazy busy and my poor roommate and et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) But um, I'm so glad I did. I'm so, so glad I did. I mean, the things that it instantly did to me. Okay, well, first of all, you have to think about another creature, okay? So just the mental... uh, time and capacity that that takes up okay guess what you instantly have less time to think about your plate um so that's you know very practical solution you uh a puppy means 
going out and exercising that dog, which means you're going outside and exercising. Um, so, you know, like these are super practical solutions and, um, and, and it helped. I mean, I felt better. I, I was, I, I had something to be joyful about. Um, yeah. and that, that's, that's the key. Um, you know, there are all these Bible verses and, and I'd like to list just a few, but before we get there, I was glad that you brought up the practical side because that's, man, especially when you're young, uh, you think that the thing to do is go and sit and talk to your friends about how upset you are. <laughs> that is going to make you feel better. It's like, no, go for a walk, <laughs> go for a run. Um, go for a walk with your friend. Yeah, maybe. go for a walk with your friend. Not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't also talk to your friends about, you know, you need the, the support as well. Um, but I'm talking about that hyper, like angsty sit and brood with your friends. Oh yeah. Um, no, I totally understand. I think, I think the key is like, go talk to your friend, but then don't just talk about what yeah, is troubling. Right. You. Yep. You no, know, like it, I think it's so key to talk with a friend or friends and allow yourself to enter into conversation and allow your brain to get out of your own difficulties um, and, and participate in, in the exchange of ideas that has nothing to do with you. And it doesn't have to be like this su super high philosophical, theological conversation. Like it can just be about like whatever is going on in the world or whatever movie you guys have just watched or, you know, something like that. It, it does not have to be super purposeful, but it helps so much. Um, as you were saying, just describing your dog uh, and your relationship with, with your dog and getting her, um, it helps so much to just not think about yourself, even if it's for five minutes at a time, yes. you know? Um, I know I look back at, at the years that I was teaching and, uh, especially, uh, probably my time in, in Jackson, there were really, really good times, uh, that, sorry, let me rephrase that. There were, there were times when I was so grateful for the fact that I had to go to a school every day and think about other people all day. And I had to devote myself to ensuring that they were taught certain things, especially the literature and the history components that I, I really had to read ahead of time. I had to prepare for those things. Um, and it, it forced my brain to get out of my own, my own worries, my yes. own fears, my own anxieties. Um, teaching is a great one. Okay. If you're really yes, discontent, y'all yeah. just go become teachers. Go become a teacher <laughs> because you won't think about yourself anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay. Psalm 37. Um, this one is one that my dad would quote to me all the time, send me, um, you know, verse four is the one that we're familiar with and it's delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, it's a wonderful, uh, verse to repeat to yourself and to remind yourself that, your focus should be on delighting in the Lord and not the second part of that verse, because the second part of the verse is about what he's going to do. Um, you are delighting yourself in the Lord. It's beautiful. It connects right back to what Augustine says about um, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you. Uh, that 
that's what we're doing there. Um, but if you read the rest of the, the, the whole Psalm is fantastic. So, you know, have a few at your fingertips. Like that's what else I would say. Um, and, and I think that this should be part of what we give young people, you know, when we mm -hmm. catechize them and, and this sort of thing, um, giving them these, not just to memorize, but to uh, look at regularly. So they're very familiar to them and they naturally, it pops in their mind um, yes. when they're struggling. And so, you know, I, I look at all of the, the echoes, um, you know, those, those things we quoted at the beginning, they, they echo what the scriptures say, um, trust in the Lord and do good live in the land and cultivate faithfulness, mm. live in the land and cultivate faithfulness cultivation. That's like you're working in a garden. You're taking care of a dog. I mean, again, what we we're just talking about, like cultivation um, is, gives you the image of something that's practical, something you're doing. Yes. Um, and it's day in day out, right. out slow, tedious, slow, tedious. Care. You have, you're, you're waiting you're to tending. see results. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he will do it. I mean, think of praying that when you're discontent, trust also in him and he will do it. <laughs> and it's followed with two verses later, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not get upset because of one who is successful in his way. Rest mm. in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I mean, so I, Psalm 37 is one of my absolute favorites to pray in times of discontent. Mm. Um, you know, I, I love it for so many reasons. <laughs> um, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. It's just, <laughs> it immediately re recalls your mind to what God is doing. <laughs> like God's joyful. God's laughing. God is not afraid. He, yeah. God, God isn't afraid for your future. He's not afraid for what's happening in your life. He is laughing and joyful and uh, loves you and is taking pleasure in the fact that you're alive. I mean, you know, I mean, he's, he loves you. You're his creation. Um, and when you have that image of, of the Lord and how he is thinking of you, it's much easier to think of him, you know, to, to have that mindset as well and, and be joyful. So, okay. Uh, the other one, and then we we're just wrapping up here. Um, so Philippians four. Um, okay. Again, like these are, these are ones that you're going to go. Yeah, of course, obviously these are always listed, but seriously, I, I, oh man, it's so easy to just blow by them. Um, we all need to go memorize at least four Psalms like in the next month. Seriously, right. one a week, go. Right. Continue. Um, this, this one, I, I had my students uh, write this down and then write about something that they were anxious about or something they were worried about um, mm. and, and pray Psalm, or sorry, Philippians 4. Um, okay, again, watch. So we know the verse, verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But right before that, what does he say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. <laughs> That's where that verse comes from. There's, yep. there's your joy. 
Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Then it says, do not be anxious about anything. Um, and your and gentle it finished- spirit, Kate, your gentle spirit. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think the- of Kate as fierce spirit. <laughs> I, I'm becoming much more gentle in my ways. Um, <laughs> and verse seven and the peace of God, you know, okay, again, like very familiar to us, but if we look at it in context, we see God says these things to us in the context of talking about anxiety, talking about discontent, talking about being unhappy. That's when he says the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all understanding yeah. will guard mm-hmm. your hearts and minds. It's at those moments when you are anxious that he's offering you peace. Um, So anyway, I just, again, very obvious ones, but um, powerful. And we we have to remember, Paul is so good at reminding us of this. We have to remember uh, that we are, we're fools. If we think that somehow we are suffering more than Christ did, Mm. you know, like Christ, Christ is the, he bore, all of the suffering of the world ever period all on that cross um and if we somehow think that our plight our tiny little grievances are are worse or something that can't be comprehended by our god by father or son or holy spirit um then like we really need to check our ego very quickly um (laughs) first and foremost and then and then recall that um that our lord new abandonment to the fullest degree, um, fuller than we ever could comprehend. Uh, and that he, in those moments is, is asking us to join him and seeking fervently to join us in those sufferings. Um, and, and that's, that's always a very good reflection for me. Um, I, when I feel lonely or, lonely in the sense of like, oh, no one understands, you know, um, I think, I think of our Lord on his cross, um, on the cross and how, how lonely it must've felt there, right. you know, Absolutely. can't, can't forget that. Ah, <sighs> well, perfect. it's perfect for Lent. It's a perfect thing to, yeah, it really, yeah. These final couple of weeks here, it's, it's all about the cross. And then the resurrection, of course, it's, let's, let's be real. It's, right. it's all about Easter morn, um, but both, but both the Paschal mystery. All right. So uh, uh, I'm going to leave you with an Augustine quote because I love Augustine uh, yeah, yeah. and that's where we started. So yeah. he says in book eight of the confessions, the more peril there was in the battle, so much, the more joy will there be in the triumph. The mm. greater joy is everywhere preceded by the greater pain. Mm. So whatever the answer is, whatever God gives to us to recognize that there is joy in the triumph. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, happy oh. fault. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. Um, gosh, once again, this was wonderful. It went by really fast. I feel like uh, we could talk about this topic for days. So, but we'll stop there. Because we're humans. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Kate. And it's great talking to you this morning. And I think everyone's up on my end, so I should go tend to them, make sure they're fed and watered. 
Good. Well, thank you too, Shannon. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you to all of our mm -hmm. listeners. Um, yes. Enjoy. Um, enjoy the Easter celebration. It's coming up soon. And feel free to give us some ratings. Uh, if you like our podcast, feel free to reach out to us. Check out Instagram, uh, Facebook, and please go visit the website, penelopesloom.org. Um, yeah, we appreciate you so much. All right. Until next time. Goodbye.